Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo. And we have come to the final episode of the Simplicity Series, which is time part two. Time is so much different than money and food, as you guys heard last week and will probably hear again today. Money and food are simple energies in and of themselves. And they are, in fact, the same energy, only they're understood and perceived differently by the mind. The time is the container that holds all the other energies, including money and food. And as with the other part twos that are in this series, I want to offer you some simple ways to work with your time. However, and I'm going to say this early on in the episode, since time is so different from both money and food, what I offer may appear to be different as well. However, it's really only going to be an illusion. It's going to be an illusion projected by the egoic mind. And therefore, before beginning this episode, I want to ask that you watch your mind, watch your ego very, very closely. Watch it for the trickster that it is, for the program state that it holds you in. And as we move into the later podcast episodes, I will explain this further and why when you're ready, you will see the truth. Because in fact, I might even be able to tell you some of the truth at the end of this podcast episode. If you're ready to hear it, you will hear it at the end of the episode. Now, brothers, I've told you before that I've gone through the Masonic rituals and I am a Master Mason. And although it has been many, many, many months since I attended a lodge meeting, I spent a lot of time in the Brotherhood studying and teaching the rituals. In fact, this was my role in the Brotherhood, to teach the new brothers their parts in the rituals and to explain to them the meaning of the rituals themselves. And this was a great honor. You know, it was my responsibility to pass on the esoteric mysteries of Freemasonry, and I took this honor and responsibility seriously as well as lightly and playfully. <laughs> so now I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about that when we discuss time today, when we discuss time is the plan. And I know that I'm not betraying the brotherhood by telling you all what I'm about to tell you because I'm going to give you the exoteric lesson, not the esoteric meaning. And thanks to the age of information and the advent of the World Wide Web, all of what I'm going to tell you can be found in the Google machine. You guys can find all of this. This isn't the secrets, right? What can't be and won't be found in the interwebs is the esoteric meaning of this lesson. Now, in the Fellowcraft ritual of Freemasonry, we teach on the 24-inch gauge. And in the early version of the ritual, it is said, and I'm quoting here, the 24-inch gauge is an instrument made of my operating masons to measure and lay out their work. But free and accepted masons are taught to make use of it for the more noble and glorious purpose of dividing their time. It being divided into 24 equal parts is emblematic of the 24 hours of the day, which they are taught to divide into three equal parts, whereby are found eight hours for the service of God and a distressed worthy brother, eight hours for their usual avocations, and eight hours for refreshment and sleep. It's in the Fellowcraft degree. It's in the Fellowcraft ritual. You'll notice right away that the relation of 24 inches to 24 hours is plain enough. You know, that's the day. But when we examine just what it is that is divided into 24 parts, the explanation becomes difficult because what is time? 
What is time? To most of us, it is the duration between two mornings or the elapsed interval between two events or the passage of a certain fraction of life. But to the alpha male, to the spiritual man, time is an unknown quantity. Like space, it appears to be a conception of the mind without objective existence. Modern mathematicians contend that time and space are but two faces of the same idea, like two sides of a coin. And while we can comprehend one without reference to the other, we cannot use one without the other. Because every material thing occupies space for a certain time, and every material thing existing for a specified time occupies space. And we pass through space in three dimensions, up, down, left, right, forward, and backward. This is the experience of the third dimension. And we pass through time, apparently, continuously in one direction, from birth to death, from past to present to future, or, as we experience it, the future moving into the present and then receding into the past. And we cannot go for even the smallest fraction of an instant backwards. It's always moving in one direction. However, as I alluded to last week, we can also experience time vertically through the depths of our own vibrations of energy in the present moment. By experiencing all of the energy, the mental energy, emotional energy, and physical energy of the now. And of course, there is the third component of time I mentioned only briefly last week. And that is that all is one. That the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, are but one time, existing everywhere all at once. So consider the experience of time as stated in the Fellowcraft degree, and I'll say this very briefly. I'll say this. This is the last sentence. Eight hours for the service of God and a worthy, dispressed brother. And again, I could say God is, you know, it's the G word. You guys can think about God, the all-oneness, the source, the everything, right? The universe. So eight hours for the service of God and a worthy, distressed brother, eight hours for their usual avocation, just to say work, and eight hours for refreshment and sleep. Now consider this, brothers. Consider how this is broken apart. Three eight-hour sections to make up 24 hours. There is no time to waste. There's no time to be lost. There's no time for idleness. No time to be buffered away or spent in a moment of unconscious movement or experience. If you do choose to bring this form of time into your life, it must be taken from the eight hours allotted to refreshment and sleep. If you choose to, quote, pass the time away or indulge in past times, you must take these hours from the eight you spend in bed in refreshment and sleep. But let's be clear, brother, all works are done to the service of the divine will. To be alive is to live the life of perfection. The only thing that draws us away from living in perfection is the judgment of the ego, which doesn't create an imperfection in form, it only creates an imperfection in mind. All things in form are perfect. It's the mind's judgment that makes things a duality, a perfection or imperfection. And this is the meaning behind Ecclesiastes, and you guys have probably heard this before, to everything there is a season and every time for every purpose under heaven. You guys have probably heard this before. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which has been planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, 
a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. But nowhere in the wise counsel of the prophet or patriot, preacher or teacher, is there set forth a time to waste time. As time is the very substance of life. It's golden minutes, the only stones we have with which to build. Every accomplishment of humans, be it a temple of marble or a temple of character, act of selfishness or act of selflessness, building a nation or building a house must be accomplished with time. Without time, nothing is ever done. And therefore, he who waits either his time or another squanders that which he cannot replace, which comes from we know not to go where we know not whence. And this is what it is, brother. It's gone forever. Time is, but time is always. It is the beginning and the end. About us are many varieties with as many ideas about how time should be spent. Every human being has the same number of minutes in an hour, of hours in a day, of days in a year. And some have little or nothing to show for their 30, 40, or 50 years. And it provokes sober thought to apply this idea to a determination of how long we really have. You know, our lives are allotted to about 84 years, we say roughly. It's the time it takes Uranus to go around the sun, 84 years. And we rarely start on our life's work before we're 21, before the first three seven-year cycles. And we tend to retire around that 71, <laughs> 70, 71, about after 10 seven-year cycles. So of the 49 years of actual time for labor, we're offered to spend a third of in the service of God and a distressed worthy brother, and a third in refreshment and sleep, and but a third in our labor. Not quite 17 years in which to accomplish all that we have to do, our life's work. You know, therefore, the service to God, understand service to God and a stressworthy brother, it does not merely mean spending time on your knees at prayer, church, temple, ashram, mosque. It's not even that. It's living a life that is full of the all oneness. It's living a life that is full of the joy of your soul. Something I'm going to talk about in another podcast episode. To remember your soul, to be in the soul. And by distressed worthy brother, you know, this is not to assume that only the men who are Masons, of course, have gone through the rituals of Freemasonry. Why do I call you, all of you, of all men, my brother, and all women, my sister? You guys don't hear that on the podcast because it's the alpha male podcast, but all women are sisters, all men are brothers, because you are, each of you, regardless of any identity or egoic illusion, regardless of any institution or worldly construct or worldly conduct. You know, it's something one of the great teachers said. He said, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Because the truth is, all men who own to a common father are brothers. We are all brothers and sisters under the father of the all oneness. So the 24-inch gauge gives us eight hours for three occupations of which we know one needs to be the greater part. Eight hours for refreshment and sleep. The other 16 are for labor, work, effort, and doing. And for those who have learned life's greatest lesson, that the most lasting joy comes from accomplishment via the universal truth and the soul's desires, 
The symbol of time is beautiful. So fortunate is our brother who is happy at his daily task. Discontented is our brother who has not found joy in his work. Because if you love your work, 16 hours a day are scarce. <laughs> it's not enough time. You know, find the carpenter who carves wood in his spare hours. Find the bookkeeper who spends his evenings doing mathematics. Find the doctor whose leisure is spent teaching his healing art. And you'll hear our brothers singing at their jobs, men who curse the clock which goes too fast. This is what I seek for you, my brothers, to go within, to go within yourself. Unlock the secrets of your soul, the light that is within you, to discover your life's work, to find joy in every moment, in each of the three segments of eight hours. Find that which you love and make a living from it. This is the essence of time. This is the reason why you're here. It's not to make a living, but to have a life. Now, look, I'm going to offer you a couple things for today when it comes to time, but understand that I cannot tell you what to do with your time. It is for you to understand what time is. Now, the first is the calendar. To set your calendar up in three sections, eight hours for work, eight hours of service, and eight hours of refreshment and sleep. And for many of you, this alone will be the difficult task. For many of you, this alone will be life-changing, the challenge. The notion of weekdays and weekends are a part of this construct, are a part of this conditioning. The overworking and commuting of the current job market is another. And we've been conditioned by this. This is all stems from our conditioning and the laying in of limiting belief systems since we were kids. Begin with this, brother. Here's something even more simple. Here's something even more simple than the calendar. Do not wake up to an alarm. How about that? Can that not be a first practice for you? Just to begin there. None of us are meant to wake up to an alarm. Understand, no human being is meant to wake up to a jarring, blaring sound that jolts us out of our rest. And we can do it once in a while, right? Our bodies are designed to do it once in a while. If we're sleeping in the woods or in the jungle and in an emergency, we need to quickly rise from our rest, from our sleep, from our slumber to run or to defend ourselves in that fight or flight response. This is okay. It can happen once in a while. It may happen from time to time. And again, the body has a way of handling that response. However, it was never meant to do it every single morning of your life. It was not meant to be jolted awake every day. If you must wake up early in the morning, if you truly must wake up early in the morning, then begin the practice of knowing how much sleep you require to wake up at that time, whatever time that is, 4, 5, 6, 7 a.m., naturally, without an alarm clock. And brother, it might even take you several weeks for you to discover exactly how much time this is, especially if you're already sleep-deprived, especially if you're already spending your time late into the night, to quote-unquote decompress from your day job. You should never need to decompress from your day job. If you need to decompress from what you do, then that is a signal for you that what you're doing is not fulfilling your life's work. It's not fulfilling your soul's desire. But that's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> that's a whole other topic, right? It may take you a couple weeks to discover how much time of sleep you really need, especially if you're already sleep-deprived, is what I'm saying. You know, you may need nine to 10 hours of sleep initially, and then later on, 
you'll be able to pull back to seven, eight hours as your body recovers to its optimal state of health. You know, this practice is similar to the practice around food that I offered you a couple weeks ago, the detoxifying process. And you can begin there, brother. You can begin with that simple practice to simply stop using an alarm to wake you up in the morning. And once you've done that, if you choose to go further, then you can set up your calendar. You know, I have a process in the academy around building out a calendar. You know, a very simple way you can break it into these three sections of eight hours. Eight hours for rest and recuperation, for sleep. Eight hours for your work, for your vocation. And eight hours for you to practice the service of the all-oneness. Eight hours in the service of God and in the service of each other, rest of humanity. However, in the academy, we have five to six different sections. And I'll tell you that they all really fit into the three areas of self, others, and work, right? Of creation, creating what you do, creating your life's passion, your life's journey, your purpose here, service to others, and then service of self, rest and recuperation. And brothers, these lines can be blurred. You know, your work can be a service to others in need. And your rest can be a service to God. Of course, it is a service to God because it's a service to self, which is the, a part of the all oneness. The lines are blurred a bit, but make sure that you have all hours accounted for. When you're building out your calendar, just make sure all hours are accounted for. Make sure there's no open time. And this may scare you at first. I know it does a lot of students that enroll in the academy. It scares a lot of people to have every hour accounted for, to have a completely full calendar. It scares people. It's like, what about my free time? What about my open time? What if something happens and I deviate from my calendar? You know, does it scare you? As you listen to this, if you think about that, if you put yourself in that mental possibility, you put yourself in this idea that all of your time, all of your time is allotted for, does it overwhelm you? Does your mind start rolling in these thoughts of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, start to get fearful, start to feel busy, start to feel stressed, start to feel overwhelmed? Well, brother, this is the cognitive mastery practice. This is how you begin to master that cognition because it's just a calendar. (laughs) It's not even here in the moment. It's not in the now. It's just an idea. It's a practice, something that you can set up for yourself. But if your mind starts to go there, if your mind starts to roll out this idea of busyness and overwhelmness and so much and so much, that's where you begin the practice of cognitive mastery. Time as it is is the same. It's the now. It's here and now. And when you take it all into account, you will find that you actually have more than less. You'll look at the universal truth and you'll look at that thought line and you'll say, okay, what am I thinking? Is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? That's really all it is. Do I have plenty of time or do I have not enough time? At a very simple level, that's really all it is. Because we all have the same amount of time. We're all looking at the same glass with the same amount of water in it. The question becomes, are you looking at the glass as half empty, that I don't have enough time? Or are you looking at the glass as half full, that there's plenty of time? When you take it all into account, you begin to work with simplicity. You'll have your life defined by your higher self. You'll have determined what you want to do instead of being at the whim of whatever arrives. Your consciousness will be dictating your tasks and priorities rather than your subconscious, which is what's fulfilling your nows. It will often be a distraction from your higher self because it's going to be what is familiar. You know, your subconscious is your conditioning. 
It's that part of you that wants to pull you into what is familiar, what is safe, what is unconscious, what you've always been doing. It's what keeps you on the hamster wheel going around and around in these thought loops and patterns. It begins with a thought loop and becomes an action loop. <laughs> That's why to take your calendar and to plan out what it is you want to do from a conscious perspective puts you in a state of being in your higher self. It's like learning to stop buffering. When you are buffering with something, say you're buffering with sugar, you're buffering with candy or sweets or alcohol, and you make a decision ahead of time to only eat sugar on Sunday or only eat sugar at that wedding or only eat sugar once a month, then you won't be at the mercy of your habits. You won't be at the mercy of your subconscious, your subconscious mind that is programmed to eat sugar to avoid feeling a certain way and unconsciously reach for that cake or ice cream or candy. It's a decision ahead of time. That's what the calendar is. It's a decision ahead of time from your consciousness, from your higher self that says, this is what I want to achieve. This is what I want to experience. It's your soul's desire. And with your calendar, you will learn to treat time the same way. You won't buffer your time away because it will all be accounted for. It will all be right there in front of you. You won't procrastinate or avoid or spend time thinking about what to do because it's already there. It's laid out in front of you from your consciousness right there on your calendar. Honoring your calendar becomes the next part. <laughs> that becomes the next lesson. And that's the more difficult lesson because creating your calendar from a conscious perspective is all rather easy and very fun because you're in your higher state of consciousness. You're choosing. You're determining ahead of time. And that can feel really good because that's your higher self saying, yes, this is what I'm choosing. So, Begin by getting a calendar. You can get a calendar on your computer. You can use Google Calendar, iPhone Calendar, or you can get a book of some kind, you know, something with paper and a pen, and you can block out all of your time from beginning to end, from morning to morning. And this won't make you busy. It will make you organized. This won't make things more complex. It will make things more simple. You know, busy, complex, and overwhelmed are all a part of your mind and distorted thinking. But then you have to honor your calendar. And this is where the real cognitive mastery comes in. This is where the real experience of life comes into place because you'll show up to your calendar and your subconscious mind will resist and reject. Say, we're not used to this. We're not used to doing it this way. We're used to doing it that way. We're used to being in our loop. We're used to being in our, the loop of action. What's familiar and what's safe. What's unconscious. What keeps us in that unconscious state of repetition. So the last thing I want to offer you is this, brothers. I want to offer you the pause. This is where you shift your perception of time from that horizontal hamster wheel to the vertical depths, the depths of your being. As the pause takes you out of your mind of thoughts and brings you into your heart of feeling. It pulls you out of the unintentional model of alignment and brings you into the intentional model of alignment. It literally stops time for a brief instant and allows you to gather yourself into a state of presence. And you'll see this occur all over nature, a pause and a shake. If you've ever watched animals in the wild, you ever watch birds, reptiles, here in the jungle, here in Tulum, they're all over the place. I watch the birds in the morning, the geckos that are running around the, the apartment here. They all pause. They all take a moment to just pause and just be. So when you arrive at your calendar and you feel resistance, give yourself a pause. Your mind is in a space of not here. Your mind wants to reject. It wants to resist. It's in a space of, I don't want to do this. This is hard. This is a challenge. This is different. This is unfamiliar. This is unsafe. It's just your 
reptile mind. It's your reptile brain coming in to try to keep you safe, try to protect you from something different, something new. Your mind wants to be somewhere else and is creating an illusion of pain and suffering because it doesn't want you to try something different. And this is when you pause. Pause for a moment and pull yourself back into the space of here and now. A breath, a stop of movement, a slowing down of the rush of the mind. You know, bring yourself back to the space of vertical time. You feel all the energy that moves through you all the time. You always have this energetic being with you, this true being, this being of light that is enjoying this human experience. You know, feel your feelings. Watch your mind. Watch it from a detached space. And be aware of all the physical energy as it moves through your body. The lights coming through your eyes. The sound going through your ears. The smells through your nose and the feelings against your skin. The wind. The temperature. Be here and now. In this moment. In a pause. And this requires practice. Therefore, I offer that you can take multiple pauses throughout the day. The more pauses you take, the more often they become a part of your lucid life. Your conscious life the more often you will feel the peace of divine patience. Because everything is perfect as it moves through us. Brothers, hear this. Understand this. We are energy moving through matter. You understand that? That's what we are. That's what's happening here. Contemplate that in your meditations. All we are is energy moving through matter. We are the energy in the DNA. We are the energy in the cells moving through the cellular matter, spiritual beings having a human experience. It doesn't have to be so serious. <laughs> there is a purpose to why we're here, and it is for the enjoyment of the soul. Time is the way we experience energy, our energy. Time is not a burden or a threat or a commodity or something to fear. It is the gift. There is nothing I can give to you. There's nothing I can teach you. There's nothing I can show you about time. Something you have to experience. Time is the experience. Money and food, these are different, right? These are different energies. But time is the great illusion of the ego. It is the thought that gives rise to death, to the end. You know, even the teachings from Freemasonry will not offer you a practical solution to work with time because time is the very essence of being lost. When we're in time, we're lost. We are lost to our own distortion of time. And to know the truth, you must let go of time and be here and be now in the infinite space of the timeless. Even the calendar is a projection of seeing where you must begin. The calendar is not the truth. It is just your way out of the illusion. Brothers, I want you to imagine a house that is filled with light. And there's nothing in this house except a small, infinitely illuminated crystal in the very center that reflects and magnifies the light that comes in from every window and space in the house. Each room in the house needs nothing. All the rooms are completely empty, and yet none of them need anything. The light vibrates within the walls of this house, and you are there with the light, completely content to exist there in perfect joy. And then one day a thought arises. The thought is... I got to have something in this house. This is no good to have an empty house. You know, it's so calm and comfortable there that there should be a place for, for you, quote unquote, you to sit, this ego, this thinker to sit down. So many chairs are brought in and couches that fill every room. And then another thought arises that there must be a place for 
the ego, right, the thinker, to dine for eating in the comfortable chairs. So you buy tables and places, put them all in the right spot. You start to fill the rooms, more chairs, more tables. Then you look around and see that there's no bed for the thinker to sleep in. And so you go out and you purchase a bed for you, right, you, that is soft and luxurious, and other beds in case you have guests. <laughs> and day after day, you fill the house with furnishings, furnishings of your thinking desire until the moment comes that you see there is enough. But something else has changed as well. You look around the house and realize that the light that once radiated from every corner has been dimmed. So you find lamps to add more light, but no matter how many lamps you buy, it never equals the brilliance you once knew. So you go and you sit in your favorite chair, the one at the very center of the house, and as you sit, you remember the crystal. It's almost forgotten in the rush of filling the house with everything that the thinker needed to be comfortable. You look at the crystal and you can see a faint glow that you once knew, the light that once filled your days. And then another thought enters your mind. You look around for the you that was so important, the one that bought so much furniture and decorations. Where is this elusive being that required so much? No matter how hard you look, you cannot find this thinker, this ego, this ephemeral being that was so important such a short time ago. Maybe there's too much furniture to find yourself. So one by one, the chairs are removed, then the couches, then the tables. You go upstairs and you remove the beds and the lamps and everything else that you bought. And finally, you look around and notice something amazing. The light has returned. And you are standing right where you started. All the furniture that blocked the light from the crystal is gone. And the whole house vibrates with life. And you vibrate as well. Because you know that you are the crystal and the light and the house and that thinker, and that you as well. This is what this is all about, brother. This is what this is all about. All the teachings, all the podcasts, all the academy, all the path. It's all meant to help the light return to your self, to your heart. And we're not going to accomplish this by adding anything. That's why I never tell you guys what to do. Because it's all about taking away, it's all about subtracting all the things that have blocked the light from your conscious experience. It's the accumulation that has dimmed your soul. It's the adding of identity. It's the adding of the mind. The crystal, your awakened soul, that's all that's necessary. Nothing else is required. Where is the you that you are seeking? Does it exist at all, or was it simply a concept used to distract your pure awareness? And who, who is it that is seeking? You know, your thoughts have created this identity, created this being, and your thoughts can uncreate it as well, revealing the truth that you can neither create nor uncreate. This is what we are seeking. Simply put, the you that is being sought does not exist. There is no identity. The ego is just a thought. It's a thinker. It's a thinker that gives itself power, that gives itself an idea, that gives itself an image, that gives itself an identity, that gives itself these ideas about time and food and money. Brothers, the realization of this fact is the beginning and the end of the journey. You are the crystal that reflects the light. 
The light is full within the crystal, fully contained and fully realized. You are immutable. You cannot change. And whatever there is in you that seems to change is not who you are. The body is not who you are. The mind is not who you are. The emotions are not who you are. Time is not who you are. Money is not who you are. Food is not who you are. These things are the changing. These things are the matter. They're the molecular matter. They're the, they're the cellular matter. That the true you, the immutable you, the energy is simply moving through and experiencing. Play with it all. Enjoy it all. Play with it if you choose, but don't cling to it. Don't cling to it. Don't hold on to it. Don't make it real. Don't make it so important. Just have fun with all of it. Cling only to the eternal essence beyond your influence. And then you'll see that there is nothing beyond your influence. Because you are free, brother. You're free. And until next week, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.